Hey, beautiful beings, and welcome to the Paranormal and Proud Podcast. I am your host, Sarita, and I'm excited to be bringing you the very first episode. I will be bringing you on this journey full of legends, mysteries, and rabbit holes. Tonight, we will be talking about the Beast of Bray Road. It's a legend that's local to me, only about 40 minutes from where I grew up. And I've always been fascinated by the stories that came from the city of Elkhorn in rural Wisconsin. As I started putting this episode together, I kind of thought it was going to be a campfire story, a fun, lighthearted tale of a local legend. But as I started diving deeper into this, I really started to realize there is so much more to this than I could ever imagine. I started looking at podcasts. I started looking at YouTube videos, different paranormal researchers that have checked this out. I watched the Brave Road Beast from, I believe, 2018 that had one of the original people to report on this, Linda Godfrey. And the people that she interviewed, I mean, it just blew my mind. I couldn't believe that all of this was happening so close to home. So that is why I'm bringing you this tonight. The city of Elkhorn, Wisconsin is home to a little over 10,000 people. It's a small, unassuming city in Walworth County and has been known as the Christmas card town since the 1950s. This pristine community is also famous for hosting a legend, a legend of something much darker and perhaps paranormal in nature. Could werewolves really be walking among us? Could it simply be an undiscovered species? What about a skinwalker? There are plenty of theories to be explored and legends to dive into. As I did my research, I found out that this actually isn't just local to Elkhorn. This actually goes back to 1936 in Jefferson County at a school called St. Coletta's. It was a facility for people with special needs, and it was home to Rosalind Kennedy after her lobotomy, where she lived out the rest of her life. It had several ancient native burial mounds that surrounded it, and Wisconsin is very well known for its Native American history. Mark Shackleman was a night watchman, and he experienced a sighting. He saw something large on top of one of the mounds, and it reminded him of a canine with a large head digging furiously in the mound, and then it ran off once the beast noticed him. He saw the beast again on the next night, and the beast noticed he was spotted again. It stood up on the mound and said what Mark thought was Gadara, which was a word that they looked into, and it was known to be related to the Bible, specifically related to exercising demons. It was rumored that a priest associated with St. Coletta's had recently done an exorcism that went terribly wrong, but unfortunately I couldn't find much more research into it, but it's definitely something to look into. This started becoming well-known in the early 1990s. A woman by the name of Linda Godfrey, she actually was the person who really got this going, and she came up with the name The Beast of Bray Road, which we found out before isn't just local to Elkhorn. It's really all over the world. The phenomenon 
has been around for centuries. You know, werewolves have been in tales forever. And she also referred to it as the indigenous dog man. She worked for a local newspaper and people started coming to her and she started hearing reports about sightings of a werewolf type creature. And she kind of thought it was a joke at first until more and more people started reporting coming out of the woodwork that, hey, I was driving down Bray Road and I saw this werewolf type creature. So she started taking it more seriously and she started reaching out to people who have reported this. There was a few specific ones that she looked into because when she started doing research, she contacted John Fredrickson. He was a former Walworth County animal control officer. He had been collecting reports of sightings and assisted Linda with information of her investigation. Being a government official, it kind of put more weight to his credibility. He gave Linda a folder with werewolf written on the tab. It was full of first-hand accounts of witness testimony. After Linda reported on the beast, the rural area was frequented by curious people from all around the area. People were coming in droves just to try to get a sight of the dog man. Others came out to give their reports of similar sightings. And other people from all over the state were reporting on this and saying this really needs to be taken seriously. There are a few notable accounts that Linda had brought up. The first one was Doris Gibson. In Halloween of 1991, she was a senior in high school, and this was the very first official publicly released account. She thought she had a dog, and when she got out of her car to check, this ferocious beast started running towards her car, and it terrified her. She jumped back in her car and took off. And when she checked her car, there were claw marks on her trunk, which she was very terrified by. The next one was a young man by the name of Tom Brigda. At the time, he was a Milwaukee teen. This was late July, early August of 1991. He had a couple friends with him, and they were out and about on a foggy night, and they reported smelling an awful skunky scent. And when they looked in the headlights... They heard, they saw a head, a white, gray, black, hairy, huge head. A lot of people report this is a German Shepherd type head. And it scratched the side of his car with its long nails. Like, literally saw two sets of claw marks on the side of his car. And the third notable one she spoke about was Lori Andreese. She was driving home late and saw something in the ditch. And she thought at first it was a dog, but the way it was kneeling down, dogs don't kneel. And it was canine-like, and it was eating roadkill with its hands. She specified hands, not paws. She did a lot of research and couldn't determine anything known in nature that it could possibly be. So she reported it to John Fredrickson, where Linda got a lot of her information from. So overall, reports of this beast were that it is a biped, and it has the head of a wolf or a German shepherd, and it's very large, 
Reports are anywhere between six and a half all the way up to eight feet tall. It's very hairy, but it has humanoid hands rather than paws. It has fangs, and one of the main reports is red glowing eyes, specifically glowing, not reflecting. And one of the creepier aspects, its legs are bent back like a dog, and it's very ferocious, very snarling, fang-type face. And it always is seen running and walking on its hind legs, never on all fours. So, as we get on to theories, it could be simply an unknown species of canine. There have been canine prints sighted in the area that were a lot larger than any known species of a dog or a wolf. And they weren't the same as a dog or a wolf. They were actually, there was different claw and pad marks. Another possible cause could be a satanic dark ritual. It was believed that Satanism ran rampant in the area along with cult-like activity. But we have to remember in the late 80s and early 1990s, Satanic Panic was in its prime time and it was running wild. But later on, it was found just to be a hysteria and several of the claims were found false. Some in the area believe that this could be caused by conjured cult activity. Another one that actually fascinates me the most and that I am personally leaning towards because of further research I will get to, possibly a skinwalker, a witch that has the ability to transform into an animal, often to believe to transform into a wolf. The skinwalker is known as a negative entity and is thought to be a sign of bad luck or misfortune. The Mohawk Indians called it a limican, limican, which is more local to Wisconsin legend. Local natives believe that these are ancient animals that have come from the spirit world and have been around since before mankind. Another interesting theory that I would like to explore further in the future is could it be an interdimensional being? I mean, nobody's ever found the carcass of a giant dog or werewolf-like creature, and ever, as far as I've known. So, could it be jumping back and forth between different dimensions to come and visit and cause some havoc in the area? Wisconsin is also known for its extraterrestrial activity. A lot of UFO and UAP sightings have been reported in the area all over. And fun fact, MUFON was actually founded in Wisconsin. I believe Sturgeon Bay, which is up near the Green Bay area. MUFON is the Mutual UFO Network. All the extraterrestrial activity brought me to a gentleman named Lee Hempel. And he is a retired math and physics teacher from Illinois. He bought the farm back in 2007. He bought about 40 plus acres and it actually lines between Bowers and Brave Road. He started farming it a few years later. He didn't know anything about the beast up until then, until he decided 
to ask some of his neighbors to help him with some hay farming. He needed to get his crop up for the year because it was fall and it was that time. A lot of his neighbors turned him down, actually, because the Bears were playing the Packers. And we all know about that rivalry in the area. It was a pretty important game. He didn't really care. He needed to get his harvest done. So finally, he found some neighbors that were like, heck yeah, we'll help you. And they got together and they started asking him, have you heard about the Beast of Bray Road? You know he lives on your farmland. And he was completely oblivious to this. He's like, what are you talking about? So he started doing a little research and he found out that, yeah, this is something that is going on in the area and has been for a while. So being a math and science man, he decided to do some experiments. You know, being a man of science, of course, he's got to check this out and have an objective viewpoint of it. So he decided that he was going to find a raccoon carcass and he brought it and he threw it in some weeds. You know, there was a lot of tall grass on his property. So he kind of threw it in the middle of some tall grass and left it alone for a couple of days. So he went and checked and it was still there, but it was gutted a couple of days later and he was pretty baffled by this because there was no you know the weeds weren't pushed down around this animal it was just guts next to this raccoon a little bit later he decided he was gonna bury a badger badger carcass that was found on the road you know it's a rural road there's roadkill everywhere so he buried a badger a little bit under the ground and he found it dug up a little bit later, 20 feet away from the hole it was buried in. Being incredibly baffled by this, he decided he was going to set up some trail cams. And it was just, you know, it was game on from there. I don't know if whatever this was knew that he was monitoring it. But activity really started cranking up for him. He started discovering dozens of mutilated animals all over his property. He had no evidence about how the animals got mutilated, but began catching strange UFO activity in the skies. Just random orbs and lights. There were orbs in the trees, lights everywhere. And it was lighting up kind of like, Christmas time, honestly. One of his neighbors had gotten a deer for hunting season, so he decided that he was going to do an experiment with this deer. He laid the deer carcass in front of his trail cam. This was, I believe it was partially gutted, but the deer was gone in the morning that he put it out there. He checked his camera and saw something incredibly baffling. The deer started out in the frame, and as the pictures progressed, a fog appeared, just this dense fog, like you couldn't even see inches in front of you. The, do the fog cloaked the deer and then slowly dissipated. When the fog was gone, so was the deer. He looked for tracks and discovered what appeared to be large canine tracks. And he and one of his friends from nearby followed 
for a large field length. I believe he said a half mile, and he had to stop when they came upon a road. The tracks were only the hind legs. There was no four, four paws there. It was just the hind legs, two feet walking. So he took several pictures and castings of the tracks that he holds on to. Over the years, Lee has documented animal mutilation. He's seen red, glowing eyes peering at him so many times. And the research that has been done, they had a paranormal researcher who was actually an animal biologist. And she was specifying the difference between the reflecting eyes of canines and cats. And none of them, none of them have red eyes, even reflecting and specifically, this wasn't reflecting. This was glowing by itself. Lee has even been on Coast to Coast AM and has an excellent interview on a podcast radio show that I had found called Phantoms and Monsters Radio. I will put a link to that. And as I started watching that, the more I looked into the story and investigations, the more this is really beginning to remind me of a Wisconsin version of the Skinwalker Ranch in Utah. Since Lee bought the property and he started discovering all this activity, Linda Godfrey had met with him and did an investigation on his farm. And she was actually present for the deer experiment and she actually witnessed the fog on the camera. It was really bizarre. They did a whole bunch of experiments. They caught a whole bunch of evidence. She even went in the field and did kind of a comparison study because Lee had caught this dark figure. So she went out to see size comparisons compared to a tree compared to this dark figure that they had caught. And this was much taller than her. She was probably an average size to short woman. And this was Again, six to seven feet tall at the very least. Another group that did an investigation on his property was the group that Eric Mentel leads of Eric Mentel Investigates. And he discusses wolf-like howls. And actually, I saw the evidence on one of his investigation videos. They caught identified lights in the sky that there were nothing like known aircraft. They would they showed this light and there were airplanes flashing around it in the in the frame, but this was just a solid light that sat there for a little bit and just disappeared out of nowhere. When Eric was there, they found a whole bunch of canine tracks that were appearing to be canine, but again, they weren't the tracks of any known canine. These had five toe, seven print footprints. Eric Mintel has a very good series of videos regarding this investigation on YouTube, and I will also link that as well so that can be referenced. Lee discusses a stigma that surrounds this potential cryptid or extraterrestrial being, whatever it might be. He knows several of the neighbors and other locals have witnessed phenomenon, but doubts will be open to speaking publicly, which is really a shame because this is something incredible. And if there was 
somebody, as I'm referring to Skinwalker Ranch in Utah, they have a pretty, pretty popular show out there. But if there was somebody that had the money that they could put into this like they do on that, I'm, I'm sure the experiments would be mind-blowing. Well, my friends, to wrap up the Beasts of Bray Road, we can just assume that they are an extraterrestrial werewolf that practices witchcraft and also likes to jump from dimension to dimension. That actually sounds kind of cool. But the truth is, we probably won't ever know, and that's okay, because we'll never stop looking for answers. And even if we never find them, the search is always fun. Now that you lovelies have listened to me bumble through my first episode, I thought I'd tell you a little bit about myself and why I named my podcast what I did. Ever since I was very young, I remember walking in the living room with my dad watching the sci-fi channel. And there would be all kinds of different things on the TV. What I remember the most is the face of gray aliens looking at me from the TV. And I remember it kind of freaking me out. But I also remember that I was completely fascinated at the same time. My dad always taught me to never stop questioning things. That sometimes reality isn't quite what it seems. I also remember watching super creepy episodes of The X-Files, and it kind of became a family inside joke. There's a specific episode called Home, and I mean, if you know, you know, but it's kind of a rite of passage in my family. Sometimes all we have to do is mention the name, and you'll be met with kind of chuckles because we get it. I named the podcast Paranormal and Proud because I've always been a lover of the paranormal. And there have been times where I was met with eye rolls and sighs and, oh god, she's going on about this again. There's also times when I would shy away because I felt like I would have to fit in some kind of box that everybody felt safe. The problem is that not everybody fits in a specific box. Sometimes you gotta be that black sheep and just be yourself whether people really agree with you or not. As I was planning out this podcast, I was racking my brain trying to come up with a name. And finally, one day I was in the car with my daughter. I have a six-year-old daughter, and we both absolutely love music. And we're always jamming out when we're in the car. And a song by Ava Max came on called So Am I. And it's basically about not having to fit in with a crowd, not having to be ashamed of who you are, being unapologetically yourself. For some reason, the name Paranormal and Proud popped into my brain because I'm proud to be into these subjects and to talk about them. I am that person at social gatherings that will just go on about ghosts or aliens or cryptids. And I'm really excited to do so and talk about other really interesting podcasts where I've learned this information from. There's a philosophy that I always follow in life, and especially I have lately over the past few years. It is to always forgive, never hold hate, and always love and live wholeheartedly. I always do my best to put that into practice on a daily basis. I'm flawed, I'm not perfect, nobody is, but as long as you try to be the best human being you possibly can and just 
do your best to be happy. I believe that's all that matters. Thank you for joining me on this new journey of mine. I hope that if you enjoyed yourself, that you share my podcast with other people and also subscribe. Thank you again for joining me, my beautiful beings. I hope to see you next time on Paranormal and Proud. Thank you.